Good morning, friends, or good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you are listening to this podcast. Welcome to the Take Back Your Territory podcast. My name is Lindsay. If you are joining me for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming alongside me and allowing me to (sighs) do this thing that I believe the Lord has called me to do. So thank you so much for coming back. I'm recording this and publishing this on a Friday, and I've been processing my week, and the enemy has kind of taken some places where my humanity has taken over and um, almost tried to bring this failure mentality back and show me where I took over and didn't allow the Holy Spirit to work and really just kind of be in a butthole about it. Um, So I need some grace today. I need some encouragement today. And what I've learned in the kingdom of God is that what you need um, first to give away if you need money, start tithing. If you need, um, you know, some type of provision for something, then just start giving away whatever you have. If you need encouragement, start encouraging people. If you need love, start loving people. If you need friendship, go make friends. Um, that's really how the kingdom works because <sighs> God operates in endless supply and everything to us in the kingdom is a yes and amen and a lot of times we can sit around and just wait for it to come to us um, or we can go after it and decide to take territory there and so this is me taking some taking some encouragement and some joy today and hopefully taking you along with me So we're going to be in three different scriptures today. We're in Mark 14, James 1, and Romans 5. And as I was praying and asking the Holy Spirit if I even have a podcast in me, if I even have a teaching in me, um, the scripture that the Lord gave me was the James 1-2 scripture. Um, I was in Mark 14 this morning basically because of the... um, the scripture that, that was in my devotional in my utmost first highest, but I want to talk to you about grace. And I'm not talking about greasy grace. I'm not talking about, you know, as Paul says, now that I have grace, I can just do whatever I want because it isn't technically sin anymore um, because I'm no longer a sinner. I am a saint. That's not the type of grace that I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we feel like we're doing something wrong, when we're seeking the Lord, when we're trying to, like, basically the place that I'm coming from right now is I'm in a season of repentance. The Lord has shown me strongholds in my life. He's shown me unforgiveness in my heart. And being a person that wants to be squeaky clean um, when the Lord starts to put his hands on something when he starts to put his fingers on something and just kind of show me um, hey you've kind of got it wrong here here you've kind of missed the mark here 
I'm calling you higher and you need to get these things off of you and, and renew your mind around these certain things. This type of season is very uncomfortable and we can move very easily between pride and shame. Um, we can pendulum swing between the two rather than staying balanced and staying kind of in the middle and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, not falling into shame, not falling into rebellion, not feeling rejected. Um, but being in a season like this is incredibly uncomfortable. And um, yeah, it just, it's very uncomfortable. And the reason that I want to speak grace to you is there is so many scriptures in the Bible of where people were walking with Jesus, the disciples were walking with Jesus. They were flesh and bone with his flesh and bone, and they watched him do the miracles. They watched him perform the signs and wonders. And there was still, because they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, um, the Holy Spirit was in Jesus at the time. They maybe didn't necessarily have eyes to see or ears to hear the way that we do. But they literally saw with their eyes all of the miracles that this Messiah was performing. And they also had the Old Testament scriptures to back it up. But even the disciples missed it. And we're going to be talking about you know one of those scriptures today um, where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the thing that I've noticed in the Bible is that we can look at our humanity with a couple different viewpoints. We can see it as, well, I'm only human, what do you expect? We can see it as, I hate my humanity, I despise my humanity, why am I human? Or we can also come into an agreement with I have this flesh, but I want to be led by the Spirit. And we live in this tension between taking off the old man, not being driven and governed by the flesh, trying to walk in the Spirit, but also have the grace for ourselves that the Lord pours out on us, that we receive from the Holy Spirit, um, grace for when we get it wrong. Since the, the enemy, the devil, is the accuser of the brethren, when he comes to attack and when he comes to make obstacles for us and kind of stand in our way, he's going to continually point to our faults. He's going to continually point us to our sin. And to sin is, means to fall short of the glory. To sin means to miss the mark. So the enemy is going to continue to point out where we missed it and not only come at us at our identity, at our core of who we are as people and who we are as believers and who we are in Christ, but if, if the enemy can get us focused on our sin and focused on where we fall short and apply some shame to it, then just the things that we've done can keep us from walking in the kingdom, from walking in peace and joy and grace and mercy and love and kindness. It's almost like me being a parent to my children and it's a new day and you know we all woke up on the sunny side of the bed and we're having a great day but on the way to school going you know a two months ago when you didn't get up and you weren't in a good mood I'm still mad about that and continuing to hold things against them 
the enemy likes to do that to us and he also likes us to think that God is doing that to us as well but the Bible says in Lamentations 3 that his mercies are new every single morning so the fact that you woke up today with breath in your lungs with life in your body with maybe even if you didn't wake up with peace and joy maybe you woke up like me riddled with anxiety but we don't need to feel shame about that it's an invitation and an opportunity for an, for us to invite the Lord into those places where we need grace, where we need peace, where we need joy, where we need mercy. So when we have these feelings of, I'm just thinking of the word desperation, when, we, when we're in despair, when we're in really just understanding that, yeah, I don't have it. Um, these can be beautiful places for the Lord to show up and say, yeah, I know you don't have it, but I have it. So let's go. So after the Lord's Supper in Mark 14, um, Jesus and his disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane. And starting in verse 32, it says, They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said, that, and he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And Jesus went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And Jesus came and found the disciples and said to Peter, because they were sleeping, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came. Jesus came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And then we know in Mark 14, 43, that's when Judas came with a crowd and kind of it all hit the fan, right? So when we look at the scripture in Mark 14, we see that Jesus instructed his disciples I believe three times to watch and to pray while Jesus went to be with the Father. So in a moment, he gave the disciples, the people who were walking with him that saw all of the miracles and all of the signs, three opportunities in maybe an hour. I don't even know how long it was. I haven't done the research on that to just stay awake and to pray for him. 
And I don't know if they didn't understand the gravity of the situation, if it was just another night, they had just had the Last Supper, um, and all of the happenings that went on with their, maybe they were, they were so full of bread and wine that they were just like, ah, oh, let's take a nap. But he asked them to pray. He asked them to stay awake. And Jesus knew the gravity of the situation. He knew what was coming. It was when he sweat drops of blood in the garden and, and the amount of stress and the amount of turmoil. Even begging the Father, if I don't have to do this, don't make me do it. But not my will but yours be done here. Three opportunities for the disciples to to just stay awake and to just pray and to just keep watch so that Jesus was safe. And they didn't do it. The scripture that was in my devotional today in Mark fourteen forty two, it says, get up, let us be going. Look, the one who betrays me is at hand. And this part of scripture stuck out to me because Jesus didn't, like he confronted them. He convicted them. He said, hey, I ask you to do this. It's, it's so simple. You can't even do that, right? Not in a shameful way, but in a, man, I really could have used you, you know? But he also didn't dwell. He also didn't stand there and chastise them. He also didn't bring up all of their other failures in front of them and, and accuse them and, and be, beat them over the head with their sin. No, he said, get up. Let's go. Because this thing is coming. Let's move into the future because the future is here. The future is at hand, right? So are there things in your life that you are continuing to beat yourself up with? Are there places in your life where you have maybe fallen short, missed the mark, sinned, rebelled, allowed the enemy to speak a different word over you and speak a false word over you or, or a word of degradation or despair? And it's just this cycle over and over and over and over again. You can't seem to find your way out. Christ says, get up. Let's go. Because the kingdom of God is here. Let's, let's just keep going. So maybe you need to fight and you need to come out of agreement with the things that the enemy is putting over you. Maybe you need to come out of agreement with fear and shame and the things that happened before right now because I'll tell you there's grace for that that the Lord covers it that even while we were still sinners Christ died for us so even the things that that you want to continually convict yourself and condemn yourself for and the enemy those things have already been bought and paid for on the cross those things are already dead and buried in the grave they're in the coffin. They're six feet under. 
and it, it is up to us to keep the corpse, keep the dead things, keep the things that were continuing to pull us back down, keep the things that were continuing to keep us in agreement with hell. We get to make the decision if those things are going to continue to have the final say or continue to speak a word over us because what Jesus says at every turn is get up arise let's go and the disciples could have stayed there and they could have wallowed in their self-pity they could have wallowed in their self-loathing and say oh we're so terrible look what we've done he just asked us to stay awake and pray and we couldn't even do that and they could have just stayed there. But they didn't. They got up, they brushed themselves off, and they followed Jesus. So maybe you need to take a stand today to remind sin, to remind your old patterns, to remind your old mindsets. That sucker's dead. Jesus bought and paid for my debt on the cross. And whatever you have to say about me, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And, and he has the final say. And what he is saying is arise. Let's go. And I think a lot of us need to put an Ebenezer, we need to put a flag, or we need to, to draw a line in the sand. And this is the fighting our most holiest of faith. This is you know, the working out our salvation with fear and trembling is identifying, no, that's the old man. I'm being renewed in my mind. I'm being renewed by the Holy Spirit and I'm coming into my new man. And even just identifying, that was the old me and this is the new me. And we're going to get up and we're going to go. In Romans 5. Y'all, if you haven't read Romans in a while, go read some Romans. <laughs> uh, every time I read Romans, I'm like, oh yeah, so good. Romans 5, we'll just start at verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We exult, we rejoice in our tribulations. We rejoice in our tribulations. And I believe this is the difference between having a fixed mindset or a growth mindset where a fixed mindset will only look at the things at hand and it will put a ceiling on your thoughts. It will put a ceiling on hope. It will put a ceiling on faith and it will say, this, this is it. There's no growth from here. There's no going back from here. Um, like 
like this is the best it's going to get. But a growth mindset will always look at a bigger picture, a fuller picture. It will always be pointing to tomorrow. It will always be pointing to more hope and more faith and more peace and more joy and more glory and more forgiveness and more understanding and more wisdom. What I've learned this year about the kingdom of God and the way that God operates is he is the God of more. And just when you think, oh, this is too good, there's no way that there could be any more. He's like, more. Just see how much more. Just see how much more abundance. Just see how much more deliverance. Just see how much more grace. Just see how much more peace I want to bestow on you. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. Nobody's worried about anything running out. There's always more. So we can rejoice in our tribulations. Because in our trials, in our tribulations, they are creating a perseverance in us. It's a steadfastness. It's an endurance in us. And I think in our tribulations, in our trials, these are opportunities for us to make a choice of staying who we are, staying fixed, staying stationary, staying stagnant. Or, no matter how uncomfortable, we can allow ourselves to grow. We can allow ourselves to, to prove our faith in God. We can allow ourselves to even prove our, prove our worthiness, which we're so unworthy of all of it. But Christ calls us worthy. I'm reminded of the scripture of lead your life worthy of the calling of God. Y'all, I want to be worthy of this call. And I know that what I have is just filthy rags. I know that sometimes I could be a whitewashed tomb because I'm holding on to religiosity or I'm holding on to old ways of thinking or I'm holding on to going through the motions because sometimes my heart just can't. But there's also a little whisper, I believe, in inside of us that says, you were made for more. There's more. So in our tribulations, in our trials, knowing that they bring perseverance. And out of perseverance, a proven character. And a proven character, out of that comes hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out. You know, the, the Lord has been speaking to me about this thing in my heart lately. Am I operating in duty? Or am I operating in love? And I think a lot of times when we can just go through the motions of things and, and we get used to things and, you know, um, sometimes it's just like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do because this is what I have in my life and I'm just going to go through the motions and, and we start to do it out of duty. And I was convicted of that uh, probably a month ago because I was kind of hard-hearted and I was a little bit grouchy about doing things. And it's because I was doing them in a sense of duty rather than a sense of love, rather than a place of, of hope. And it's a completely different feeling. It's a completely different feeling and um, spirit that we walk in. So to wrap this up in our final scripture, we are in James 1. 
starting with verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So if we break down the scripture, we see that we are to focus, that we are to consider, that we are going to think joyful thoughts about even the hardest things in our life. Just like in Paul says in Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is noble, whatever is of good repute, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, think on these things, right? He's teaching us that, yep, we can choose to have a negative mindset. We can choose to bring yesterday into today. Or we can choose to shift our mindset and focus on what is true. And even if you have to just decide, well, what is true for right now? What's true for right now is that I need to remember that I am loved, that I am beloved, that I am adopted, that I am covered in grace. That's what I know is true for right now. And sometimes walking out these moments, they are moment by moment. They are step by step. And we have to preach to ourselves. We have to teach ourselves again. Because when we are walking in a season of repentance, things get fleshy. <laughs> and, and we can feel the tension within us. And it doesn't feel good. It feels like, ew, get this out of me. But until we're ready to release it, until we're ready to fully come out of agreement with it, it's like, okay, I know this thing is here. What are we going to do with it, Lord? <laughs> but we can still count these things joy. We can still consider them joy. We can still rejoice in them. Because even in these trials, whether you're in a season like me of repentance or you're literally in a trial, where you're literally like, it's a man a day where I just need a couple crumbs today of you, Lord. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your work. Maybe it's with an illness. But it is a trial. And it is a tribulation, right? But even as Paul says that these can still be considered momentary and light things compared to the glory that we will be receiving on the other side of them, right? So we decide to rejoice in our trials, in our tribulations, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. So we have this joy, we have these trials, knowing that our faith is going to be tested. And at the end of that testing, faith that sees us through the testing, that allows us to pass the test, gives us more endurance. And what did Romans say about endurance? <clears throat> it brings a proven character. And with a proven character, it gives us hope. So this is an inner working. This is stuff that, that the Lord is doing inside of us. And as Philippians 1.6 says, that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where do you think the Lord works? Does he work in our circumstances? Just our circumstances? Does he work just outside of ourselves? Or does he work in us? 
practice, he orchestrates circumstances in order to teach us. Are things created around us and, and in his sovereignty, things are allowed to happen to create, to, to bring tribulation, to allow our faith to be tested, to bring perseverance, to bring endurance, to bring steadfastness, to grow our faith, to mature us. Because we are children, we're babies, right? And we first come to Christ, we're on the milk, we're on the teat. And sometimes we can barely handle anything that comes with us, right? I remember hearing people's testimonies and them saying, I remember when I first believed and I was first saved, there were so many miracles and God answered so many of my prayers and then it stopped. And things got hard and things got tough and I thought maybe God had left me. And, and I've talked to people that were stuck in that area where God isn't performing like he was before and I must have caused him to stop. And so they get stuck there. And then I've talked to people that that's when the meat came, when they were off the milk. And now it was like, okay, now rubber meets the road. Now I'm, I've graduated, I've matured enough to go from milk into meat and I have to learn how to chew and I have to get into the word and I have to start praying and I have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and I have to allow these tribulations to come so that it can produce this perseverance in me that I'm going to need for, for my life. Because the truth of the matter is, is that what was the Great Commission in Mark 16? Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has, been, who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and, and they will drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In order to walk in signs and miracles like this, it has to be done by tribulation. It has to be done by trial. Your faith literally has to be tested. So that when you're walking in your giftings, when you're walking in kingdom, you have the faith to match the miracle. You have the faith to match the miracle. And, and I fully believe that for us to live a full gospel life, our faith is tested over and over and over and over again so that when push comes to shove and we're laying hands on the sick and we're in a prayer line or we're praying for someone or we're believing for someone or we're witnessing to someone or we're preaching salvation to our neighbor, it is our testimony. It's the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that moves the mountains. It's it's this is what Jesus did for me and I know that he can do this for you and that type of faith that type of knowing can only occur by testing and by trial and by tribulation I would not be who I am I would not be the person that I am the per this person of faith that I am if I wasn't um, if if my life was easy if I didn't have 
the childhood and the years of rebellion and the hard years of marriage and the divorce that I had, if I didn't have the, the child that was born with birth defects and a decade of sickness and seeking the Lord in that and a decade of just him showing up and showing off and me in repentance then I wouldn't be doing this I wouldn't have written a book I wouldn't have food freedom I wouldn't have a podcast I wouldn't be preaching the gospel wherever he has called me to preach I wouldn't have this prayer thing that I have all of this has come by trial and tribulation so if you see anything good in me hope you only see Jesus that's it but I also hope that you understand that my life is trial by fire and even as I sit here and talk to and talk to you about this I understand that there's so much more dross that needs to be taken off there's so much more clarifying and renewing and repenting and and removing of my myself that I honestly feel disgusting <laughs> and if you were on my food freedom group coaching last night you will know what I'm talking about <clears throat> I'm gonna take a sip of coffee before I close so Lord in Jesus name I ask for your supernatural anointing of grace over this listener that you allow them to see the choice that they have to take off yesterday to stop ruminating on old patterns and old words and old traumas Lord that we can remove the idols of trauma and remove the idols of pain and we can even make sin an idol we can make rebellion an idol, Lord. We can make an idol out of anything. Help us see the idols, the statues, the towers of Babylon that we've built in our own name or in someone else's, Lord. You can deliver us immediately or you can help us tear these strongholds down brick by brick. But I ask in Jesus' name, as we are in a season of repentance, as we are in a season of tribulation and trial, that we are walking in this tension with your grace and with your mercy and with understanding that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. But you are here not to call us out, but to call us up, to call us into a higher anointing higher level of understanding of you because your thoughts are above our thoughts and your ways are above our ways and we thank you Lord that we have the mind of Christ because because he gives it to us freely so help us think right thoughts help us realize what is true give us fresh eyes when we go to your word give us fresh ears when we go into our prayer closets Lord because you are making something beautiful out of each one of our lives 
and diamonds get crushed <laughs> grapes get crushed there is a crushing that happens Lord but we do this with the understanding that we will also get a new wineskin that this is about your glory that this is about your story and we no longer are in agreement with the enemy that our stories have anything to do with sin, that they have anything to do with pain or with trauma. We rebuke those stories in Jesus' name. And we say that our stories are a God story. They are a story that Jesus writes with us and for us and for his glory and not for our own. So pour out your grace and your joy as we go about our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening today, friends. If you have any questions, you can find me on social media. Just DM me on Instagram or on Facebook. You can also find me at takebackyourterritory.com. The book Food Freedom is for sale on Amazon. Just search Food Freedom Lindsay Wenland. You can also go to the website to order the book um, Food Freedom Coaching for the second round of 2022 is going to open the last week in March. If you have any questions, um, you know where to find me. Until next time, keep moving forward.